Hello and welcome to episode 89 of the Red Zone Restricted Podcast. I'm your host David Comerford and I'm joined by Chris Coughlin and Chloe Bloxham to break down Liverpool's 4-1 defeat against Napoli. This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to bigheadsmedia.com for more great podcasts. So just when you think this start of the season couldn't really get any worse, it gets dramatically worse with an emphatic defeat Liverpool's first Champions League group game away to Napoli. So like I say, I'm joined by Chris and Chloe and we're just going to kind of break it down and try and work out where Liverpool will go from here, which is going to be quite difficult to do at this moment because we're only recording this sort of half an hour um, after full time. So it's all a little bit raw at the moment. Chris, I'll come to you first though. Uh, Three-word match review as usual. And do you think it's fair to say that this is what we've just witnessed is one of our very worst defeats under Jürgen Klopp. Um, first day of three-word match report, big, big problems, because that's what I believe there are at Liverpool right now. Um, on the pitch, and they just don't look cohesive. Um, whether that's something that you can look at in terms of potential backroom problems, things like that. But on the pitch, it speaks for itself. You look at the body language, they just don't look cohesive as a team. And in terms of under Jurgen Klopp, honestly, that that first half, I know you think back a couple of years, there was the first half against Spurs, wasn't there? That, that's seen as a bit of a turnaround under Jurgen Klopp. You look at the when we were 5-0 down against Stoke um, under Brendan Rodgers, albeit that team was nowhere near as good as this team was. That first half is up there with one of the worst first halves for Liverpool in our lifetimes, I believe. Because it three three nil couldn't maybe should have been four or five. That first half was just strange because it felt like it felt like they you know every chance they came forward, it felt like there were chances for Napoli to score goals and you couldn't have begrudged them if they'd got two or three more throughout the whole game or even in the first half. Um for me, you know, I know, I know, we'll delve into this a bit later on. But for me, discounting the substitutes because uh, you know um, substitutes came on late in the game, only Alisson, Diaz, and Thiago deserve more than a zero. For me, potentially a little bit harsh on Elliot with the mere young lad, but for me, Alisson, Diaz, and Thiago are the only ones that, as I say, deserve more than a zero from that game as a whole. Um, as you say, it's all very raw at the moment, but this uh, this start of the season has been pretty shambolic, to be honest. And that's kind of along the lines of my review. I've just gone with I am numb because I, I don't really yeah. know how, how yeah, to feel fair. at the moment. And it's like, you know, I was saying to Chloe on our, our pre-match uh, podcast, we were both kind of hoping that the Champions League was going to offer Liverpool a bit of respite this season um, with the way it's been going and that, and that may be we could kind of get our mojo back almost in this composition, really, and use it as a, a positive distraction from our struggles in the Premier League, if any, and it's dramatically worsened the the situation um, that, that results in, and really brought the problems into sharp focus. And generally speaking as well, the past sort of, um, you're going back to, to May now, so you're going back about four months. It's just been really a painful stretch you know ever since that 
that Wolves game really and how last season ended and the Champions League, you know, losing to Man United. Um, and then this tonight really with a few other bad results uh, dotted in between. You know, it is really, really uh, difficult at the moment and, and it's hard um, to find too much optimism, even though, you know, we know the players we've got, we know the players we've got coming back, you know, the manager we have, all that sort of thing. You know, it has just been repeated blows and, you know, you mentioned um, th- those games, Chris, you know, um, Aston Villa definitely sprung to mind in that first half. Tottenham yeah, yeah, as course, well. Yeah. Um, and, and you look at the expected goals. I mean, I don't really have all the figures in front of me. 3.56 Napoli had in the first half. You know, it's easy to forget that um, they ha- had obviously a missed penalty, a goal line clearance within that game. So, you know, we're looking at a game here that could easily have been the post sort of the first a- minute. Yeah, exactly. So we're looking at a game that could easily have been a repeat of that Aston Villa game or maybe even a little bit worse, to be honest. So, yeah, I think a hall of shame um, kind of performance uh, for Liverpool under Klopp, really. But I'll bring you in on it, Chloe. Um, do you have similar thoughts in terms of this being really a low point um, on under Klopp? And, and what's your three-word match review? Um, three-word match review would be lack of desire because I can totally understand losing football games. Uh, Liverpool, at their best, have still lost football games. But what I've never, ever, ever questioned from this Liverpool side in any previous season under Jurgen Klopp was desire. And in several uh, games this season, and bear in mind, we're literally in the beginning of September I have questioned our desire. Uh, we were outfought, outthought, um, and outran once again. Um, we that happened in the Manchester United game, and it possibly happened in the Fulham game as well, actually, because I think they were really good. Um, and it's happened once again. This is a reoccurring factor now. It's not just I can I can excuse you know the odd game here and there. But this seems like it's a consistent and reoccurring thing that's happening. Um, and I don't know what it is. I genuinely, the, what happened tonight and some of the players, um, if they were dropped for the next three weeks, I'd be happy with it. I feel like there needs to be some sort of consequence for Trent Alexander-Arnold not tracking players and just stood still. Fabinho didn't track a man in sight. Um, it, it was honestly the worst performance under Jurgen Klopp. At, and and that is just that is what I think, um, and I think it's interesting because Jurgen's came out and said it looks uh, a little bit like we have to reinvent ourselves, and I totally have a hundred percent faith in the man doing that, but it's very hard to come to terms with this team having to reinvent itself after we went from a season where we nearly won absolutely everything and was was two games away from winning nearly everything, um, that we fell off a cliff and. I could I could deal with it a bit better if we were showing like we actually was arsed on a football pitch. But for the majority of tonight, aside from when Thiago came on and we held the ball a bit more, it, it didn't look like there was a player in sight who was arsed. There was a point in, I think it was the first half, um, Trent gave away the ball. I'm, I'm pretty sure you guys will see in this well. He gives away the ball and jogs as they're charging down their left wing. And I couldn't believe what I was seeing. Like, and then when you look at the defending for the second goal as well, you know when we talk about it being in slow motion, 
when Angisa plays the one, two, and slots it. It felt like some. It felt like a foul had been given, or felt like something, because as if a goal can be scored in the Champions League against last year's finalists that easy. And that was just that was some of the things that just blew my mind today. I think also, sorry to butt in there. I think it was it was also a case of, and I don't want to say it, but at half time you could have pulled, you know, ten of those players. A even thousand percent. That point was absolutely shite, and I will be honest, he was crap until the second half. Um, Ali was probably the only player who you were like, okay, well, you've saved the penalty. You can't do much more with the others. Every single player on that football pitch could have been taken off. Virgil van Dijk, I don't know what the hell has happened to that man, but my word, he just does not look arsed. He doesn't get out to players. He's so slow at doing stuff. It's like someone's put him on a pedestal and said, you're absolutely amazing, and he believes it, and he doesn't have to put in the work to get anywhere. It's absolutely mental that the best players in the world are just not even the the lack and desire, the lack and determination. You play for the badge. You, that, you're no bigger than the club. Put everything in for the badge and the fans who go to watches every week. Um, and a lot of the games this season, I've not seen that. And it is, it looks like we're in trouble, not just because we can't play football, but also because it just looks like all of our players are just really not asked what the outcome is. And Van Dyke's been on a level for so long where he has been the best defender in the world. There's no debate about it. But now the players are sensing that one little chink in his armour. We are seeing it quite consistently that he's almost being exploited. I mean, I, you know, in terms of when he gave away the penalty today, we can probably count on one hand the amount of times we've seen Virgil van Dyke in Liverpool shirt get caught like that. But as, as, as Chloe said, I actually tweeted at halftime, apart from Alisson, because he literally could have done any more, if Klopp could have made 10 substitutions, he might well have done at half-time. Do you know, that Van Dyke moment, so I'm sat here and I'm, I'm taking notes on the game because, you know, I'll be writing articles about it tomorrow. So I'm just looking for, like, um, stuff I can use, really. And I'm thinking, when I see see that Van Dyke or cement challenge, I'm like, that's a moment I, I could look back on when I'm writing. I could be like, that's a classic Van Dyke moment, you know. He goes up against this really, you know, feared striker, and puts them on the ground um, and wins the duel. Remember, for example, when that happened when we were playing uh, Red Bull Salzburg in um, the Champions League a couple of years back, and he put Haaland on the ground um, in one of those games when he's running at him and, and Mbappe too, when he's playing for the Netherlands, I think. And then, as it turns out, um, they're tracking for the penalty. He stood, he stood on his toe, and he's he's actually lost um, the duel, losing too many definitely this season, and definitely I think. Um, questions to be asked about him after what I thought was a run of games where he was looking more like himself. Um, and to be fair, you know, he, he cleared cleared it off the line as well. So he'd had like his sort of uh, heroic moments in the game. But um, yeah, the the penalty is just another one of those cases where you do worry about him, unfortunately. Um, and I think Angus is quite a good player to like to like look at in a way because. The goal that he scores shows, like you alluded to, Chris, how easy Liverpool are to play against. And we'll come on to this in a minute. I think that a big problem in terms of protecting um, protecting the defence, really. I don't think the protection that they have is adequate whatsoever. But I also think that when we're finding ourselves in situations where it's kind of a pretty level numerically and you've got kind of three of their attackers against three of our defenders, sometimes it does feel that there are still players who are able to 
outfox us quite easily in terms of the runs they make or the, the combinations of passes. Um, and I also thought with Anguissa, you know, he's he's probably produced one of the best performances of his career there. And you, you look in the first half, um, and I know he's he's a really good player now, and he didn't really show what he's about at Fulham, but I'm looking at him and I'm thinking, on two levels, he's exposing problems at Liverpool's midfield or, or certainly the start of because technically he was very good and he was able to kind of step away from challenges, much like uh, Labocco was as well. But also, just in terms of power as well, just I think there's a bit of a problem with sort of athleticism in the Liverpool midfield at times as well. And I think it, there was a kind of duality to um, how he was dominating us, really. Um, and yeah, the, the question about... Um, desire is obviously put into potential psychological issues in the camp. I think, um, you know, the way last season has ended, you'd be forgiven for thinking that um, it had knocked the stuff on out of the Liverpool side. But that reinvention quote is a very interesting one. I think I'll come back to that actually when we do the, um, when we talk about where we go from here a bit later on in the podcast. But I want to bring you two back in now. Um, we, we spoke last time we were on, um, about why the attack was malfunctioning and why we weren't seeing really the, the fluidity in Liverpool's attack and play. I think it's fair to say that tonight, while the attack and play wasn't good by any means, um, we've got to focus on, on the defence and how the defence was basically just completely pulled apart. Um, why were Liverpool so open in that game? And why do you think, like, what's the what are the main reasons in your eyes that they could easily have, have shipped about six or seven goals in that match? I think we start with the counter-press. Um, this Liverpool side is known for the counter-press. It's known for winning the ball high up the field. And we played teams and they used to fear us. They used to not be able to deal with our pressing. Um, and now it's very much roles, uh, roles reversed. We can't deal with other people's press. Um, they were getting, you know... When you defend well, when you keep a clean sheet, it's not just on the defence, it's on the whole team defending well and as a unit. And our midfield was so easily bypassed. I mean, we couldn't hold a ball up top. Then the midfield was completely bypassed and we were pressing A in the wrong areas. And we were also in the midst of pressing where we're not close enough to the actual player to win the ball back. And we're not deep enough to recover from when they actually get out of that situation. It was very much we were stuck in no man's land when pressing and we were trying to press, but we were doing it half-heartedly. We were doing it half-arsed and we were getting stuck in the middle of absolutely nowhere. And once they got through uh, the, the, the midfield or once the midfield had pushed too high, and our high line then also moved up with the midfield. It was very much one ball over the top. Um, and the high line didn't work tonight, let's be honest. But then it also just doesn't help when the same players in the back four can't win 50-50s or just don't track back. Um, Trent gets had off constantly throughout the game. Joe Gomez, I'm not too sure what Joe Gomez came, uh, uh, you know, showed up tonight to play a game of football, but it wasn't the one I'd seen at, at Everton. Um, he got bullied, absolutely bullied. And I think, is it their fourth goal that he just, you think he's won the battle and then he just absolutely gets shrugged all over the place and they've put it in back post and it's four. Um, it was a mixture of absolutely everything. 
there was far too many many areas for a Napoli to get out of and b Napoli to play. I didn't see a, a counter press that was done correctly, but also done with some desire. It doesn't help that James Milner gets a yellow card within four minutes because you've basically just told everyone I'm slow as hell. You just can get past me, and now he can't put a he can't put a tackle on anyone to stop a, a, a play or anything because he could be getting a red card. Um, Fabinho was a bit all over the shop and then you had a defence that defended the way we did and I don't think any of that back line gets any more than a zero and that may be harsh on Robbo because I don't remember Robbo being the main culprit but I'm still not going to give him anything because I didn't see him do anything um, it, was, it, it was everyone being absolutely awful and not pressing in the right moments or not pressing well enough and there just being far too much space between midfield, defence, and then individual errors constantly. Do you know what? I think people are going to talk about James Milner a lot um, after that game, and, and probably Joe Gomez as well. And, I mean, with Milner, he just looks completely off the pace, is all I can say. Um, Gomez, it's like you say, Chloe, I find it really dispiriting because I, I've watched him at the weekend, and he's a player that I always kind of root for because I know there's a lot of people in Liverpool fan base who are a, a bit sceptical about Gomez and, and the level he can reach at, at this point. But I watched I watched that performance at the weekend. And like that's the best he's done really since since he has come back from um, that serious injury he had um, the season before last. And you think is this a moment now that that he kind of kicks on um, and, and maybe sort of claims the place in in the team um, as we've seen in the past when when centre backs have got injured, but. It looks like now, I think, based on the fact that Matip came on at half-time, that Matip will be back in the side against Wolves, and that might be Gomez's chance gone just in that disastrous 45 minutes. And and in fairness, it is kind of unforgivable to make the same mistake twice in the manner that he did. Um, you know, once it, it can happen, but, you know, to switch off again, um, like I say, is, is just not something you can, you can overlook, sadly. And I think there's a moment as well um, and the replay cameras picked it up where you've got uh, Robertson basically frantically gesturing to someone in the midfield. I think they just had a really good chance or maybe one of the goals and he's just like saying, close them down. Um, and I think that, that does speak to the the lack of, of pressure um, that was on the ball. And, and we, we've said it time and again uh, in games where Liverpool do get kind of torn apart that the system relies so much on that pressure given you know how high up um, the defensive line is. And I also think the way you put it there, Chloe, in terms of being stuck in the middle, um, is, is a good way of looking at it too. Um, because it does just look they do look horribly exposed at times at the defenders. But Chris, do you see it that way too? A case of the defense aren't being adequately protected by the midfield, but also when they're then being put in situations um which is gonna happen in a game, um, not as many times as it did tonight. You know, ideally you restrict those situations, but I feel like Liverpool have this aggressive system because they have a lot of faith um, in the individuals they have at the back, not least Virgil van Dijk. So you think that it's a... Would you agree with Chloe in that it's like a dual failure of not pressing to protect the defence and then the defenders themselves are just um, completely getting bullied and, and outwitted when they actually have to do their, their role? There's undoubtedly not enough protection from the midfield at the moment. Absolutely. I, I said on the pre-season podcast, the one player I don't think Liverpool have adequate 
uh, backup for is Fabinho. And given that he is part of the spine in that crucial defensive midfield role, the number six, he has to play every game. And I don't know, today, did he look tired? Did he just look off it? But ultimately, it's it's that ability or inability to really refresh the midfield at the moment that you look back to it and you say there there isn't enough protection of the back line. However, what I will say is that goals two and three were completely of Liverpool's own making. Joe Gomez, second goal, as Chloe pointed out, has total control of that ball. All he has to do is give it back to Allison, who will assess his options, and Liverpool will recycle the ball. He, for some reason, at the last minute, tries to take on Kvatskilia, who was fantastic, by the way, was never going to beat him. A few seconds later, the ball's in the back of Liverpool's net. Again, for the third goal, he has complete control of the situation, whether he's trying to shepherd the ball out or whatever. Kvatskilia gets past him again, lays it on a plate for Simeone, and all of a sudden, that's 3-0, and two of those first-half goals were so unavoidable, it's ridiculous. So, of course, the midfield needs to be doing more. It totally needs to be doing more. But in this situation, Liverpool brought so many problems on themselves, and I'm starting to wonder, you know, we talked about the high line. Against, say, Crystal Palace, the high line imploded. Tonight, the high line imploded. And I've just thought, how as I'm saying this, Anguissa's goal is almost a carbon copy of Isaks, isn't it? Where the centre mid plays the calmest pass he can play. Isak is through on goal. Great finish. Again, calm one, two. Anguissa's through. Bottom corner finish. No one tracks the runner. So it's the same things that we're seeing on repeat. And that is the big concern all round as well, not just from midfield, not just from defence, the forwards as well. I know we're focusing on defence here, but the forwards have got to take flack for this. That's why I'm saying they're big, big problems because they're problems that are being repeated. I mean, I want to touch on Fabinho first of all, because you mentioned him there, Chris. Um, Like I said before, when I'm on about like Milner and Gomez, he's like, I don't know, tonight he just looked completely and utterly goosed. Like genuinely, yeah, and I think I think there's a moment in the first half where he kind of does an identical lunging motion for two challenges, and he's just like a, a couple of seconds late each time, um, and he's just like behind the play, and yeah, genuinely, I think it's one of them where individual struggles are contributing to the woes that we have, and and, and systemic issues are obviously at play as well. But I also I agree with you, Chris, in that. You know, we're looking at the schedule, the schedule that we've got now, and obviously three games a week, pretty much up until the World Cup. I think it is. Um, that probably is going to expose a hole in this Liverpool squad, unless you've got someone else who, who can cover the role adequately. You know, it remains to be seen whether Artur can do that. Um, I'm not sure based on what I've seen. Henderson has shown has had good games and bad games um, in that role as well. So whether he can, obviously, he's injured at the moment as well. So. It would be a few weeks before he could contribute in that way anyway. So Naby Keita's just been named in the Guinea squad, which is very interesting to see. Very, very interesting, actually, in light of a, oh. yeah, in light of a lot of going on. What's gone on there, hasn't it? Let's like he like, must have done because he's out for that he's out for the group stage yeah. of the Champions League. And obviously there was talk about um 
him being unhappy and stuff and maybe stuff getting leaked to the German press. So, yeah, that's... um. When was the Euros? Sorry, I can't pinpoint when the Euros was. Was that last season or was this... How long ago was the Euros? Yeah, last last summer. So we were just coming out of we were just coming out of the final lockdown. Right. So basically, we have had an entire, aside from some Nations League games that I remember went on, we've had a fairly like everyone's been able to have their first rest that we've seen in however many seasons, mm-hmm. and yet every single player looks goosed. It is September. That is a problem. Um. Yeah. Every what what are we doing in training? Why is everyone looking shattered? Um, I, I genuinely don't know how to pinpoint what the hell it is. I think there's there's an element in there of you know obviously the amount of games that we played last season. But I I agree with you, Chloe, in that like you know there has still been the opportunity for a reset there. Obviously, a week shorter than normal in terms of um the World Cup affecting the schedule but it is a bit alarming to see especially like I say it's just right at the start now of the three games a week I mean this should be the part of the season where you're actually looking most fresh um and 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 whether it's mental fatigue or, or what I think um I just hope that we're not just gradually discovering the issues over, over the course of over the course of the season really and that this is the the day because it has to be but I'll bring you back in now Chloe because um I mean, I'm conscious that we've we're already running on longer than we want to, but I just want wanted to ask: Do you think tonight is basically everything that could go wrong did in a way, and we shouldn't we should see it as an extreme situation, or is it more a case of these are the problems that Liverpool have, and they've been illustrated in a very sort of dramatic way? Like, how much do we read into tonight's performance in that respect? Um, I think we read a lot into it because I don't know about yous, but I was expecting this kind of result at some point, to be honest. Um, with our performances, I assumed at some point we'd be handed it to us and hopefully we'd hit rock bottom and reset. I think that is the only positive outlook I can try and get at is hopefully this, they go back in, you know, they talk about reinventing themselves or whatever. Hopefully this is rock bottom and the reset from it um because i i'm not gonna lie i am now a, a bit worried um i like to see myself as a really positive person especially when it comes to football because i am so emotionally invested in football and especially liverpool that if that it determines my mood um so i try and take positives from it um but i i i, I do think that this isn't a surprise to me. The the surpri- surprise to me is how we can consistently do the same thing in every single game and you can see the problems. However, no one's rectifying it and we're still conceding first and we're still starting slow every single game. Um, and the other problem is is obviously desire and the lack of it. Um, but I expected someone to hand us this kind of result. Um and it's humiliating. I mean, everyone should be laughing at us right now. Um, and I'm just hoping that this potentially is the worst it can get. It's rock bottom. And a bit where, um, I don't know who said this, but a bit where Brentford kind of, you know, the, the 
they beat uh, Manchester United 4-0 and since then United have somehow reset themselves. I'm hoping Liverpool can do the same because um I I am starting to get worried and I'm I'm really person and I 100% believe in Klopp and I'm going to get behind the Reds even more than I did, you know, last week if that's even possible. Um and I totally believe that 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 Klopp can sort us out, but it is hard to to have to deal with us going from winning the quadruple nearly to then being as crap as we seem in this moment. It is hard to to try and actually you know be okay with that and say oh well you know this was going to come at some point because it just wasn't. We should have kept being good, kept investing to keep us at the top level. Um, I mean, even a couple of new fresh faces, and I know we brought Nunes and that in, but, you know, I, I just think a, a change of atmosphere could have been good. New faces, something different. Um, could refresh us? And and right now, the same players are going to have to refresh, reset and go again. Um, and, and but I, I am worrying now. I won't lie. Um, I mean, we've got Wolves on Saturday, and I, I'm dreading it in this moment. Um, and usually when we lose, I'm one to say I want us to play next, you know, tomorrow, so we can put it right. But I'm not too sure we can do that in this moment. I think I think something needs to change, and I don't know what it is. It's certainly not the manager, <laughs> you know, obviously, but um. I, I I don't know. I'm I'm trying to look at positives, and the only positive I can see is hopefully this is rock bottom, and we can reset and refresh. Yeah, because the manager point. Obviously, you know you laugh as you say because every Liverpool fan will think about it as ridiculous. You know, Chelsea had actually above Liverpool in the Premier League. I'm pretty sure they too had a dreadful start to their Champions League campaign. Obviously, absolutely no question of that happening in Liverpool. You kind of put your faith in the the existing personnel to um deliver the solutions based on the success they've brought you in the past. And I think we do have still, you know, the confidence, the confidence in that. It's just hopefully gonna be gonna be sooner rather than later, really. Um just interesting the kind of different approaches that the two clubs are, are taking, I suppose. But the thing you mentioned there about and and I said it myself about it being, you know, we hope that this is the worst it gets. The thing that I, I come back to is you know, we've seen Liverpool lose to a Man United, that Man United team. You, know, you mentioned United um, kickstarting their season. They did that against Liverpool, and Liverpool's performance in that game was so bad um, in a game that people were sort of tipping them to to run away with um, in some respects. You know, they, they were so poor in that game, and I think there was like a a positive meeting that was held at the training ground and, and, and the Bournemouth game, and, and you felt like that was the moment for us. The fact that this has then come after it, you know, if if there was soul searching after the United game, then I think it's gonna to have to be on another level. Um and you think about some of the really bad defeats, you know, that's how we open the podcast, thinking about, you know, your villa seven two, Spurs four one, maybe Watford three nil. Every time after those games, or, or certainly the Villa and Watford ones, you were like, That's a blip. Um, that's not what what Liverpool really are. And and, you know, in, in no time. They'll put it behind them. I don't think we can necessarily have that level of confidence this time. And that's why um, things do feel a little bit bleak at the moment. But Chris, where do Liverpool go from here? Um, I want to read this reinvention quote now, seeing as it's probably quite important. So Klopp said, you don't think a lot after games, you react more. But I said we need to reinvent ourselves because basic things aren't there. 
it's a tough time, no doubt about that, if you're not playing exceptionally well, but you can still defend on a top level. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm assuming by that quote, he means he's not talking about stylistically changing it. He's talking about getting back to our roots, our roots of our football and identity. So how do you see the kind of situation and what needs to be done now in response to this? That's a that's a great question. <laughs> that really is. Um, just going off what Chloe said about Manchester United, you know that that four nil game against Brentford again. That was four nil in the first half. For all of us, I think we probably agreed that was the worst we've ever seen Manchester United play in the first half of football, apart from when Liverpool won five nil at Old Trafford last season. What Eric Ten Hag did that no manager previous to him had the guts to do was take Harry Maguire out of the team. And since then, look how look how much better they've been. Now, that is a manager looking at a problem and going, I need to make a decision. I need to change this there. Does Jurgen Klopp have to look at certain parts of the team and make changes? Quite possibly. Only he has the ability to do that. But I look at, you know, you say where Liverpool go from next. You can only look at Wolves, can't you, really, in terms of the immediate. And there was a cl- there was a quote from Klopp after the game as well tonight saying that if Wolves were watching that game today, they wouldn't be able to stop laughing. Which, for a team that have only scored three goals all season in the Premier League, that tells you about the concerns that we are now having in that a team that aren't renowned for their attacking football might have a decent chance of coming to Anfield and getting something on Saturday. So... I, I do want to refresh. I think there needs to be a, a fresh attacking impetus against Wolves. Thiago returning to the team, as we now imagine he will do, is a massive factor. But we can't just pin our hopes on him because no guarantee how long he's going to stay fit for from one minute to the next. Um, even, you know, I, I genuinely mean this. And I think I look at Trent Alexander-Arnold today and I look at the level of his performance as a whole this season... If Calvin Ramsey was fit and available this weekend, I would seriously talk about playing him right back. Would that mean would that means moving Trent into midfield or whatever? I would seriously consider playing Calvin Ramsey at right back in this game because it would show Trent Alexander Arnold that as good as he is, there's no you know, no footballer is nailed on in a team. And a bit like Mo Salah, who again Best part of the game, anonymous tonight in this new role that none of us seem to understand why he's now taking it up, what discussions have taken place. So, in terms of where Liverpool go from here, yeah, we talk, we seem to be talking about a lot, don't we? But Wolves is absolutely massive in terms of kickstarting this season because the longer Liverpool leave it, the bigger mountain that they will have to climb. Yeah, and on that, actually, um, I'm pretty sure that next Champions League game is only six days away as we record. Yeah. So Anfield, so you know, uh, before is, you know this it. This is what, one thing that we actually haven't mentioned tonight, which is interesting. Obviously, we've not really talked about how this affects Liverpool in the Champions League, and I think that's because we all know, and we, we've seen it in the past, you've still got five games left, you can still get 15 points. Um, you've got really the hardest fixture in the whole group stage out the way as well, so I don't think there's concern on that level yet, but there will be soon if this doesn't improve, and that's um, a wake-up call in itself. But I'll bring back that back to you now, Chloe. 
in terms of the where we go from here question. So there's three elements. There's do you think any needs to change in terms of style of play? Would you be making any sort of personnel changes? Does someone need dropping? I think it's a problem for Liverpool personally that they don't have a Simakas on the right hand side um who can maybe give Trent that kick off the backside that he needs. And also the third pillar of that would be how much do you think having Thiago back and Artur um obviously making his debut tonight? Um how much will that improve things in terms of the balance of the midfield and how much can we pin our hopes on that? Um, like Chris was saying. Um it's it's like it's really hard to explain because to think about dropping players that are literally the most influential when we're actually playing well is is, is mental. But um I'd be dropping Trent. I, I would. Um I'd put you know, if we had the players, if we had Canate, I'd be I'd I'd seriously be dropping Virgil van Dijk. I'm not lying, I would. Um I'd be dropping James Milner. And the problem is, is Thiago, who knows how long he'll play again until he's back out injured. Artur doesn't have a great injury record. Let's see what happens with that. Um, you know, we, we don't need another another injured player in midfield, you know. Um, but it, it feels like we, we don't have many options. I mean, Harvey Elliott, bless the lad. I think he's been absolutely brilliant for us this season. And yet, there's no talk about him because of how bad Liverpool have been playing. I dropped Mo Salah. Um, I, I genuinely bored. I don't. I mean, I, we just we need to go back to the basics and get the basics correct. On Sunday, on Saturday, I want to see a reaction. Yeah, I don't want to see us concede first. The first twenty minutes, work your way into it. Keep the ball moving about. Even if we're not getting chances, just make sure that you're not leaving yourself open to be counted. Um, we need to get the press on right. We need to get back to what our identity is known and get back to doing it correctly. Um, and I think Thiago will help that because I feel like it did improve us when he came on. It'd be nice to see what Artur is about. Harvey Elliott got subbed at Newcastle, but then played Goodison and he's just played 90 there. I mean, Lewis Diaz, when's he getting a rest? That's that's a question. Um, you know, our best player in that second half, when does he get a rest? I feel like I can't take him out of my squad, but he definitely needs a rest at some point. Um, you could make changes all over the pitch, and, and that's that's just being serious, isn't it? Um, you could bring Costas back in. The the only player who you're not changing is is Ali. Um, and and I think Diaz, if we're talking about form or basically our, our most attacking player, anyone else can really be subbed. I mean, even at, even at this point, Fabinho can be changed if we had the players. Um, but what I'd like to see is no matter what the team is that goes out on Saturday, I just want to see us get the basics correct. Don't do anything sloppy. Keep the ball. Don't get frustrated. Keep it moving. Um, win your 50-50s. Press at the right time with the right amount of conviction. Don't go in half-hearted. Um, don't get a stupid yellow card in the first five minutes of a football game, please. Um, and then also position-wise, which can't be helped because Salah must be being told to play that way. Um, but tonight, Salah had two or three good positions where he's just took his eyes off the ball and not and not brought it down. 
that the concentration the focus needs to be there for an entire 90 minutes i need to see that go back to the basics get the basics correct and see where we go from there do you know what that's that's a good point because you know if we if we turn up on saturday and i, I don't even need us I, I don't need us to win nine nil again to be honest i just want to see the semblance of a structure and those fundamental things that that are required at this level, really. And if I see that, and if Liverpool produce, you know, obviously they have to win the game by all means. But even if it's only a source of seven out of ten performance, you know, we don't even have to set the world. I just want to see, like Klopp said, um, or Klopp alluded to, really. You know, I want to see that kind of identity uh, coming back into the performances. And I, w- I want to see almost what the idea is and what the vision is. Because um, at the moment, I think we're all a little bit kind of confused and maybe trying to piece it together. But Thiago obviously was back um, in the second half of that game. I think he made a, a huge difference just by, you know, just just seeing a, a midfielder in there who ha- had sort of technical ability um, after watching um, Milner in the first half, I think it was, was really refreshing, so... It wasn't even that for me that made me think, yes, it was the pressing that I saw from him. He was winning the ball high up the pitch. That's what we're known for. He pressed at the right time. He had 100% conviction when pressing and he won. I, I, Thinking off the top of my head, I reckon he's got more ball recoveries or more tackles won than anyone else on that football pitch tonight and he played 30 minutes when he came on he had something about him it wasn't just that he was also technically good enough to get past skip past one or two players it was the fact that he was winning the ball he was counter pressing in the right moments with the right amount of tempo with the right amount of conviction he set the tempo for us and we won the ball back and then also, when we were in possession, he kept us moving to recycle the ball. It wasn't the level of quality or the technique that I liked about him. It was the basics of winning the ball back high up the pitch, having setting the tempo, recycling the ball. That yeah, is a great, that is a great shout from you, Chloe. Sorry, sorry to interrupt, Chris, but I've no, got to say this because no. I've just checked the uh, the stats. Yeah. So Liverpool's highest um, in terms of number of tackles, the highest player in the Liverpool squad. Um, in terms of the starters, was Joe Gomez with three. Thiago, um, who only played, let me just make sure I get this right. So he came, comes down in the 63rd minute, makes six tackles. So yeah, you're bang on. Absolutely bang on there, Chloe. Pretty much taking the words out of my mouth. So it, it, it is madness. And, and I think you're, you're completely right. It's like almost like snapping back in there to win the ball back too. That, that was a big part of what made it so refreshing. And we know that he, he's one of the best midfielders in the world, so it may to be seeing how much of a difference he can make to the Liverpool side, and hopefully we see him back in the starting lineup um, on Saturday, potentially surrounded by quite a few changes, as you alluded to there, Chloe. But yeah, that is going to do us for this episode. Um, if you've, I was going to say, if you've enjoyed the podcast, uh, Liverpool fans probably find it hard to enjoy this, but um, if you think that we've <laughs> we've hit on something here. Um, please do give us a positive review on Spotify or any other podcast platform that you might use. Um, And also have a look at the YouTube channel as well, which will be in the description because we'll be uploading uh, clips on there. So yeah, we'll see you again probably after the Wolves game and ahead of that second Champions League game against Ajax. Um, And hopefully, like um, we've alluded to, this (laughs) is the worst that it gets for Liverpool this season.